In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World, episode 24. Andrew and Jerry tell the truth about the January 6th show trial. I am Andrew Langer. I'm Jerry Rogers. And yeah, I mean, it's the it's the thing that occurred to me. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today. We're going to talk about this gun legislation that passed the House. Uh, we're going to talk about the president's appearance on Jimmy Kimmel. As crazy as that was, the the uh, unfortunate comments of Congresswoman uh, Debbie Stabenow from Michigan uh, about electric cars. Um, and, and we're going to do a tribute to uh, someone important in Jerry's life who's having a birthday. And then <laughs> oh, yeah. we're going to peer into a mystery about the origin of a song by one of Jerry's favorite rock and roll bands. So stay tuned for the whole show today because uh, we'll get your take on this uh, as well. Um, let's, let's start with, in fact, let's just get into it. Uh, let's go to our ripped from the headlines segment ripped from the headlines. So yeah, there's a lot to talk about. You know, I got off the air soon. Thanks once again to the folks at WMAL for letting me sit in with Larry O'Connor. I'll tease the dates that I'm coming back for that. Um, I, I didn't realize, well, anyway, I didn't realize at the time that uh, as I was getting off the air, that there had been this arrest. Uh, of this uh, uh, deranged man uh, who wanted to kill, kidnap and or kill. No, I'm sorry, kill, possibly kidnap, certainly thought about killing himself uh, uh, by Justice Brett Kavanaugh. That was all unfolding. Um, the House seemed to be able to pass gun control legislation, but can't pass the legislation protecting uh, the justices that's been languishing where they are. And I, I love, I love the, um, I love the, uh, it's about guns, all about guns. It's just about guns, virtue signalers, because you see already in social media that doesn't a third grader deserve uh, as much protection as a Supreme Court justice and, and, and this sort of thing. And, you know, my response to that is, is that why can't we secure schools and why can't we secure the, uh, the the lives and 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 the safety of, of Supreme Court justices. Why is it one or the other? Well, and more to the point. So Patton Oswalt, who's a, a comedian that who's I a do, jerk. I, I do enjoy his comedy. What a, I would love to step on his his head today. But that's just it. He's and, and, such. I, I'm, let me say this right now. He's a little shit. Is what well, he is. And his comment yesterday. This is what Jerry's referring to. He tweeted out yesterday. Uh, the you why shouldn't uh, uh, the Kavanaugh family just having a single point of entry to their house? What a jerk. And, and 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 firearms. And listen, I am sure Brett Kavanaugh would love to have a gun to be able to protect his family in his house. But again, what's does it does Patton Oswald think he's being cute, clever, funny there? 100 percent That's what he thinks he's doing. 100 percent what he thinks he's being. He thinks he's being cute. He, he, that's exactly and, but, what he is. But again, just for clarity, you know, and I'm sorry for saying the the right. the the, uh, the obscenity, but I saw that tweet and i thought to myself what a jerk yeah what what a what a real jerk because the bottom line is this uh anyone who doesn't want to have a conversation about securing our schools and my goodness a single point of entry makes a hundred percent perfect sense we're not saying that you don't have fire fire exits and other exits to the building what we're saying is is that if a visitor 
or someone who means to do great harm comes to the school, there's only one way in. Listen. Right? Listen. Think of think of the movie yes. 300. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. Not well, 300. Well, 300, right? What do they do, right? They made it so the enemy could only come through this narrow or, or, this narrow there, pass. Let me make it let me make an even more relevant movie reference here about single points of entry. What about Lean on Me? This was the basis that Joe Clark, Principal Joe Clark uh, in in the Newark High School, he said, right? It was Newark. Patterson. 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 Sorry, Patterson High Schools, right? He said he chained the doors. Now we don't want to chain the doors, but he, as he said, if we could only get those fire doors like the fancy white schools, we I wouldn't have this problem. Right? You know, he had a, he wanted a single point of entry. But there, but there, but there are politicians. Yeah. Hold on, Jerry. I, I mean, your kids are in parochial school. Yes. Um, my kids have been in public school, and, and I know we've brought this up before. I don't know about you, but I know that wherever I've gone to a school in the last, you know, the last, it's not 18 years, but for the last 13 years that my kids have been in schools, 13, uh, 15 years that my kids have been in schools, there has been a single point of entry in all of those schools. You come in and you are admitted almost always directly into the office. If not, you have to, you have to buzz in. Somebody has to buzz you in and you have to go to school security immediately. I mean, is that the, I, mean, I don't want to give anything well, away. Of with course. No, no. Uh, where, where my two youngest go to school, uh, Bridget, I'm sorry. Um, uh, I have so many Liam. kids, uh, Liam and Grace. Uh, yes. There's a, you walk in a single entry, a uh, door, set of doors, uh, then you're in a lobby and there's another single, there's another set of doors and you, there's cameras. The interior do doors are bulletproof. Yes. And you, there's a camera and there is a check-in mechanism and then you are greeted and you are brought immediately to the office. Now, yes. if you're an unknown, you don't get buzzed in. That's right. And so again, and no one is, no one is, no one is seriously suggesting that this is a bad idea, except politicians and entertainers yes. uh, who want the issue more than they want a solution. That's right. That's right. And, and, and keeping in mind, right. It is all about taking steps to minimize risk. We know that with this Uvalde shooting situation, that it was a situation in which the, there was a single point of entry, but the door got propped open, which again would have driven principal Joe Clark insane, right? That's the whole I have a question about that too, because, and again, this is the problem. About Joe Clark, because I love that movie and yeah. I will watch that movie over and over again. And I found out that the custodian Reverend Slappy was really a, a, a custodian and was a, was a reverend in the community. But yeah, anyway, we, we, we yeah. played uh Paris East side when I, when I was a kid, we played him in football. Is that right? We played the ghosts. Yeah. And did you, did you push, did they push you all around the field? Did they push you all around? The no, field? I went to the greatest football program in, in on the East coast, Bergen Catholic. No one pushed right. us around, but, uh, but, um, <laughs> but let me say this though. Um, th th this, this shouldn't be, this shouldn't be a, this shouldn't be controversial. No, uh, we should, we should have, um, a, a, again, you, you don't want a one size fits all. So you, therefore you let jurisdictions, uh, and different districts do it their way, but the, the standard should be the same and yes. there should be a single point of entry. Look, just with COVID where schools, public schools and private schools spent tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, to protect the schools against COVID, right. With plexiglass with, with other mechanisms and air filtrations, why why is it that we can do that in short order but we can't simply agree that we're going to fortify our schools i know people don't like to hear the word fortify but the fact of the matter is you go to a jewelry store 
you go to an office building, you go to a government building, you go to a bank, you go to any other public space. And guess what? They're fortified. Gary, it, but even it's not even a question of 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 calling it fortification. I mean, you know, again, there's there's a language that's in there. Right. But the issue really is whether or not something becomes a soft target or a target of opportunity, as we have talked about. And, and obviously we're going to learn more about, excuse me. About oh, I was asking this question. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, please. So, so uh, look, the, the, because politicians and entertainers and the news media immediately politicize uh, the Uvalde shooting, like any shooting, oh my God. Uh, the, the information that was coming out was slow, uh, was often contradicted other information. So initially the information was that a teacher had propped open the door. It turns out that's not true. Okay. So, so again, my question is twofold. Well, then Why? explain explain to our audience then how how the Uvalde shooter got in. Well, that's 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 the broader question. Yeah. Why was the shooter outside shooting for ten minutes? Yes. With no with no confrontation, and then how did he? There is no one has answered the question yet. How did he get into the school? There you go. All right. I mean, so again, but these yeah. are basic. Why weren't the police on the scene to confront him and stop him before he got in the school? He was by all, all he was outside shooting his weapon for 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And then somehow he was able to get, gain entry. Again, we're having debates on Capitol Hill. The president and his spokespersons are shaming people. We have the uh, Chuck Schumer saying that Republicans have blood on their hands. And yet we don't know how the shooter got into the building. Well, and, and how about gets, you figure that out? Yeah, this gets back into what I have, the, the, one of the one of the longstanding quotes that I use. You're all very tired of me hearing. Actually, for those of you just joining us, because um, there are people who are now just starting to, to listen and joining us. I, 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 there's a, a, a case from the 1990s uh, about, uh, about federalism. And, um, and, and there, it was written by Justice Sandra Day O'Connor and it really sums up the essence of our constitutional republic. And uh, I, I, it reminds me of something I responded to on Twitter yesterday. But the quote is, the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions. All right? So the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions. It divides power among sovereigns and among branches of the government precisely so that we might resist the temptation to concentrate power in one branch as the expedient solution to the crisis of the day. Which, right? by in the other way... Words, this Sorry, is yes. what the, but this is exactly great point, Andrew. Yeah, thank you. This is exactly the the unanimous uh, idea from the left, and that is they want to concentrate power. Yes. Uh, you know, why does California have only two Senate seats uh, when Idaho has this, two? Thank and, you for and, bringing and all this the up because that's what it dovetails into, which right. is this quote that the, the tweet that came out yesterday about the Senate uh, and the Senate power, and this is not what democracy looks like. And my response was, yeah, that's right. This is not what democracy looks like. We are not a democracy. We are a democratic republic. We are a republican democracy, not a pure democracy, right? So the idea is we have a we have certain aspects of our lives that are democratic, right? People vote on things. We have representatives in the House of Representatives. They are balanced out by a Senate. A Senate that originally was envisioned to have come out of our, uh, our state legislatures, so the states had a more direct voice in what was going on. That was the whole point. But the whole idea and, and, is, hold on, hold on, let me finish my, my thread here. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea is democracy, pure democracy is two wolves and a sheep deciding on what to have for dinner. 
Right. And and so, but a, but a republic such as the one we have protects the rights of the sheep. You know, well, the right. And, and again, and 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 I've heard you say this uh, uh, very clearly, and I agree with you. And that <laughs> is the the electoral college, the Senate, uh, how how we uh, uh, federalism, the, the separation of powers. This ultimately uh, is are all mechanisms to protect the minority and minority rights from a tyrannical majority. Right. This is what the left doesn't understand. Democracy, and this was, again, let's take one step backwards. This was the George W. Bush problem in in Afghanistan and in Iraq. They pushed the idea of democracy, democracy, democracy. But the thing is, is that, well, the people could vote for a dictator. Yes. And the dictator can then implement uh, tyranny. And so we don't want pure democracy because pure democracy leads to tyranny. And we We have to have checks and balances. And we should have we should have had a a, a, yes, we should have been promoting liberty. And it's it's this this property, property rights, the rule of law, a great protection for minorities, etc. A great segment. Listen, you know, somebody I said this on the air on on Tuesday. I'll repeat it again for those of you who don't know. Uh, two of the greatest books that changed my life, literally changed my way of thinking. About I know things. one of them. Which one? Uh, Henry DeSoto. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hernando DeSoto. Hernando, I'm sorry. Of Capital by Hernando DeSoto. And yep. the other one is Property and Freedom by Richard Pipes. If I, I, I don't know where they exactly they are on the show. Oh. <laughs> you have your background. I, I was going to point to the shelves behind me, but it's that I've got the background behind me. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, hey, because I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll do my impression of Joe Biden. It's not a real radio studio behind us. <laughs> you know what? Know. That's interesting because did you watch? I watched clips of Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, this I got some. Morning. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, Jerry. Let me just finish my thought on on, on the DeSoto thing. So, uh, 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 Hernando DeSoto's The Mystery of Capital, and and Richard Pipes, who was one of the architects of Ronald Reagan's Cold War strategy, wrote a, a book called Property and Freedom. And both books taken together paint a picture of the important role that private property rights and the rule of law play in creating stable and prosperous societies. And and this is where we have failed because we have never promoted those things. And it goes. Uh, I'll, I'll and yeah, but it also goes to uh, how our public schools have failed. We don't teach history. We don't teach uh, the founding documents. Again, we're having this this silly debate, and there are people who are saying, "Well, don't these Republicans understand what well regulated means?" Well, yes, yes we, we do. do, and 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 well regulated doesn't mean what you think it means. That's exactly right. I mean, it means well armed, well organized. Uh, well-disciplined to attack the enemy. Remind That's me, what it had, means. We had Ilya Shapiro on uh, earlier, right? Uh, we've, we've had Ilya Shapiro on the, on the, on the podcast, haven't we? Of course we have. Not Ilya Shapiro. Uh, Eugene Volok from, uh, from UCLA Law School. I yes, think we did. Him. Yes, yes, yes. We had him on very early on. We're now 24 episodes in now. I'm starting to forget what guests we have. This is where we are. So, you know, Eugene Volok is the, is the person who, who proffered this. And it's, it's incredibly important to recognize that sometimes words back then didn't mean what they meant today. And he talks about this issue. Well-regulated meant effective. If yes. It meant regulated in the modern parlance of the world, then, then the founders would have said, the authors would have said, well-governed. And, and that's the point. And, if, and it makes perfect sense in the context of the Second but Amendment. You, again, right? you, and you have elected officials. You have men and women who put their hand on whatever book 
you know, Bible or otherwise, take an oath to the Constitution, and they say things, tweet things, write things, they opine, they write op-eds, uh, and they have no understanding yes. of the law. Yes. And I'm sorry to say this, but it's the truth. One, look, I'm not promoting Republican partyism, but I will say this. The Democratic Party is untethered yes. from history and from the law. Well, listen, Jerry, this gets into what I what I said. Actually, one of the things I said here on Twitter, and I'm sharing my screen uh, for those of you who are listening to the show, um, because, you know, one of the things that Joe Biden said was that the economy was the fastest growing. And as we now know, the, the economy shrunk last quarter. And as I said, if a bee can be a fish, um, then then why can't a shrinking economy be uh, uh, the fastest right. growing economy? You know, the, the, I, the Democrats uh, tweeted out yesterday that uh we have a 95, 95% of the jobs lost due to COVID have now regained. They're back again. And I thought to myself, that's not a good stat. Yes. I mean, there's yeah. still five, there's still 5% not there. Yes. I mean, this is not, which, the, which by the way is millions of people. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's and not so an insignificant statistic. They, 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 they manipulate this truly is like, what is that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Uh, where they manipulate everything. Um, not true lies. Total yeah, recall. Total recall. <laughs> uh, this administration recall, is, recall. is like total recall in the sense that they just they just they redo, re-edit, change things and and what and change meanings of words. You know yes. what? You know what yesterday was, Andrew? Well, what was yesterday? It was the uh, the anniversary of the uh, uh, public. Uh, of, of the of, of the George Orwell's 1984 being published oh, that right oh that was yesterday. I wish I'd known that to be on the air yesterday that would have been fun to talk about but again I mean, this administration demonstrates that that you change the meaning of words you change what history is and this is what they're doing let me, let me he did it on Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel last night yeah but 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 let me let me I'll come back to the Jimmy Kimmel thing in a second Jerry because you sure. you raise the point which is you know, you change the meaning of words to suit your political outcomes over time. And, and we've talked about this. Um, you know, one of the things you and I have talked about is the shifting definition of racism over the, over the course of time, um, such that essentially the definition is, well, A, there, there are sort of two ways of looking at it, which is one, that racism is an institutional concept, uh, and that it's that our institutions are racist based upon a variety of outcomes, or it is uh, um, sort of this, this attitude that is endemic in anybody who is not of the minority race, right? And so everybody is racist, right? Right, which is this, which, you know, whereas we know. Well, no, no, check that. Not everyone is racist. All white people are racist. Well, yes. Well, and also, and, and, and even, even colors, but, yes. But, yeah, but, but again, but that's the thing. We have redefined person of color. Yes. Like it's, it's, it's as if, Again, they're gaslighting, and and again, the outcome—that's well, that's the point. In the end, isn't it, Jerry? Because it creates a series of shifting goalposts, and it all moves. We talked about this in terms of the concept of critical race theory, and how ultimately critical race theory, much in the same way that socialism is the transitional phase between capitalism and communism, critical race theory is the vehicle that delivers us from capitalism to communism. And it, it, you know, again, it's, it, they do it through these shifting definitions so that, you know, whereas when we were kids and, and um, uh, Larry O'Connor and I were talking about this on the other, the other day, 
um, the the issue of the 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 collapse of the the collapse of the meritocracy, or the idea that the uh, conservative uh, concepts of self reliance and self governance um, and judging people by the content of their character and not the color of the skin, all of those things are now are now racist. Whereas we were taught to understand or we were taught to believe when we were kids that racism was bigotry. Um, and, and, you know, part of it comes down, you know, just bigotry, if you were, and, and that racism was evil. And the way you cured racism was that you weren't a bigot, that you embraced Martin Luther King's concept of judging people by the right. content of their character, not the color of their skin and by being colorblind. So all of those things. Now, if you say that you are colorblind, you don't see you're, race, you're well, a racist. racist. Well, and, it's, and, and, and it's yeah. worse than that too. Right. And, and, I, and I, I mentioned this last week, I'll mention it again, but John King, who's, uh, who's a former, yeah. uh, uh, head of the Department of Education during the Obama the Obama years. Uh, he's running for governor in Maryland. And uh, he had a great line in the uh, gubernatorial debate last yes. week where he said, you know, it took me 25 miles and three generations to get to the stage. Yeah. And what he meant by that was uh, his family were slaves in, yes. in Maryland, uh, in Gaithersburg, Maryland. His family were slaves. Uh, and but however, he served in the White House uh, of the first African-American uh, uh, elected to the White House. And yeah. so he, in, in three generations, he went from the slave house to the White House. And I thought, what a wonderful story. What a victory. What what an example of America's promise. But instead, what he leveraged that story in a way uh, to whine about racist dog whistle, uh, yeah. whistling like 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 showing up on time. That's racist. Yeah. Yes. Uh, achievement is racist. Uh, having standard standardized testing is racist. Right. I mean, so what they've done in terms of changing the Disciplining meaning, planning students, making sure that students do their homework. Yeah. That's racist. Every, everything yes. is racist. Yes. Everything is racist. And and so and uh, mark my words, though, Jerry, I'm going to say this now, you know, I'm going to make a, a Jerry Rogers like prediction about this. Right. So in 40 years, we've come from 50 years. I'm going to say 40, just under 50 from when you and I were kids. You know, we've come from the idea of the ink is black, the page is white, together we learn to read and write. Um, uh, we, like yeah, that's the three dog night, Jerry. Yeah. Um, uh, we've come to, you know, and, and, and Martin Luther King's aphorisms and being colorblind. We've come to now being colorblind is being racist. Um, and mark my words that 40 years from now, so it is uh, 2022, by 2062, we're going to be back to, there's going to be a whole generation that has been taught that uh, uh, being colorblind is racist. Um, um, then, then we're gonna they're gonna get back to saying that uh, you know if you're not colorblind, you're you're, you're a racist. It's gonna come full circle, um, unless unless by the way, that's assuming that society still exists and we haven't entirely collapsed on ourselves. Yeah, G Jesus but, is coming back. Look up. Yes. So you wanted to. Uh, sorry, so let me let me share the screen now. You wanted to uh, uh, talk about Kimmel. Where, where do you want to go with uh, well, I mean, a, a couple of things? Right. Let me just the, the obvious. This guy hasn't the president hasn't given a one on one with a journalist uh, in in uh, in in months and months. Uh, he goes on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, he, by the way, on his way there, you saw this, right? He stumbled, oh, yes. stumbled up the stairs again. Sure. And here's my comment. In what world is this good for the president? He he looked old. He looked confused. Uh, J Jimmy Kimmel is behaving like a young grandson would behave 
uh, with his impaired grandfather. You know, I'm sorry I don't have it up. I guess I could find it, but I don't want to do the search, right? Where Joe Biden is talking about the messaging is, you know, I thought I did. I thought I did. And then, yeah, and then he goes into a kind of a, um, 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 And then goes off and talks about a totally different topic. No, I thought there was a thing, and maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe I will, I will pull it. You know, so let me see if I can find it real quick. The, the, he he goes on and he talks about this issue of um, of uh, of the messaging being the problem. And, and then, and as he's doing that, he's unable to. Oh yeah, this is it. I, mean, I don't know why I, I thought I, I thought I retweeted. Maybe I retweeted it a while ago. Let me let me share this. Um, um, the, the messaging is the problem here, and this is the, by the way, this is the same guy. Actually, I'll get. I'll make my point in a second. This is kind of long. But let me do this. No so, question. So there's about a it. lot of major things we've done, but what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is. Let me say another way. Well, see, that's kind of perfect. Yeah, well, we haven't been able to communicate. That's kind of look perfect. how the press has changed. Mm-hmm. Look how the press has changed. It has changed. Oh, listen, it's, I, it's, I get. It. I know you get. You overstand it. Yeah. You don't just understand it. You overstand it. <laughs> but here's the deal. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a, um, even with, with notable exceptions, even the really good reporters, they have to get the number of clicks on, on, the, on nightly news. Mm-hmm. All right. So instead of asking the question, anyway, it's just everything gets. This guy is not uh, yes. dealing with, um, with his, full, his full capacity. Not playing with a full deck. No, and, and, but here's the thing, a couple of things from the from from what we saw yesterday. Number one, Jimmy Kimmel kept on saying uh, using the we, we, we Democrats, we again, it's telling the silent part out loud. The entertainment industry, big media, uh, they're part of the Democratic Party coalition. Number one, number two, you know, earlier in the day, this was taped at five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, however, there had been uh, the news of this lunatic wanting to assassinate murder of brett kavanaugh yes and no one asked the president still they haven't asked the president do you condemn this and why does that matter because president trump would condemn something on a tuesday and then wednesday his white house spokesperson would be asked the question why hasn't the president condemned this well, he did. He condemned it yesterday. Well, why hasn't he done so today? Okay, we condemn it today. Well, that's not that's not the president saying it. It's you saying it. Oh, but he did it yesterday. Uh, they they played these shell games where you had to constantly condemn uh, the actions of others. No one has asked the vice president or the president whether or not they condemn uh, the attempted assassination on Brett Kavanaugh. And let me and let me add to this, right? It, because it, it goes a step further. You're absolutely correct. The press shouldn't. The press should have been asking this. Jimmy Kimmel should have asked it. But actually, Jimmy Kimmel shouldn't have even had to ask about it. The president of the United States yes. going on Jimmy Kimmel last night and speaking to a Democratic audience should have the, the first thing out of his mouth should have been, you know, Jimmy. Before we go down this road, I gotta say, this this lunatic who who showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's house. Uh, this is unacceptable. I condemn this, and I and I want to make sure that my supporters. I want to make sure that all Americans understand this is not acceptable. None well, of this the, is acceptable. And by the way, Andrew, you know what happened outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house last night? Yeah, there was a protest. There was a massive protest. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. By the way, for our listeners, uh, it's illegal. It's a federal crime. 
it's a federal crime what they're doing uh, to intimidate uh, a let judge me, uh, me, before a decision. Let me explain why. And, and, and you know, we, we had on Ilya Shapiro and congratulations, by the way, to Ilya Shapiro on his new gig, the Manhattan Institute. Yes. Jerry, I'm sure you must have been proud of that as a Manhattan yes, Institute yes. alumni. That's right. I'm okay. very pleased. So so Ilya is going on there. Ilya wrote the book Supreme Disorder. And one of the things we talk about, um, and I, I, I wanted to have this conversation with Larry and I didn't get a chance to. So I'll say this now. We have three branches of government that operate very differently, right? You have the, all power is supposed to come out of Congress through the legislative process. They have the power of the purse strings. It is then up to the executive branch to administer those laws, right? That's what you want. Now they can interpret their Supreme Court cases on that. Um, but in terms of making sure that the, those two branches are doing their jobs within the construct, by the way, both of those branches are by necessity political, right? It is what it is. This, you, you know, this is why we use the phrase elections matter. Elections matter because of Congress, because they are supposed to be the wellspring of all that power. And, and uh, elections matter with the executive branch because they are administering that power and they can interpret what Congress has said. That's, it's just by definition. Um, it's the way it is. It's the process. The process by which we solve problems is by necessity a political process. But the, the judicial branch, which is supposed to be the gatekeeper, which is supposed to call balls and strikes, now nominating and approving those judges and justices, that's a political process. But once they're on the high court, they are supposed to engage in their jobs in a way that is free from the political process, that is based on philosophy and what the law says and what their values are. That, I, I, let me finish my point because I know you want to say something. They are supposed to do their jobs, right? This is why Ilya Shapiro, when he came on, said you don't want to um, uh, use the process of nominations to achieve desired outcomes because every fact set is different and you want them to judge these cases based upon the law and the fact sets that are in front of them, free from outside interference, right? They, they should not be pressured, whether it's by members of Congress or from the White House or the general public, because you want them to come up with, with decisions that actually are thoughtful and deliberative. And everything that you do that shortchanges that deliberative process makes the problems that we as a society face worse. Thus endeth the sermon. That's 100% correct. And, but oh, here's and that's why we have a federal law that says you can't pressure judges. Right. That's why. But, you can't but intimidate here's... judges. But for the left, for the media, for the Hollywood types, the ends justify the means. So if they get a good outcome or they change the outcome on Roe v. Wade, well, then the protesting, the breaking of the law, the intimidation, the violence, it all it's all fine because. Yes, the right. right. Good. And, and remember, right, this ties into something we've also said in the past, which is this progressive con uh, concept that speech is violence and violence right. is speech. Which yeah. is, which is uh, again, this is shades of a republic that is on the verge of collapse. And normally yeah. I'm not so Eeyore-ish about this, it's, but all of these now, things in the last 24 now, hours. Welcome to Jerry's mind. Okay, welcome to Jerry's world. And, but and here, but actually, here, let me ask on, you a question. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, before you ask, my, ask your question, because I want to make a point about what the president said last night on Kimmel about the messaging and the, and the media, right? Because he, he's, he's focused, oh, we just, we need better media from the press. We need better stories coming out of the press. This is the same White House that was lamenting just days ago how frustrated they were that when people drive down the street, they see gas prices, rising gas prices uh, on every corner where there's a gas station. You know, and it's so it's not 
the reason why Biden's numbers are in the toilet isn't because he's losing the, the New York Times and the Washington Post, which he really isn't losing. His numbers are in the toilet because people are getting access to information that isn't filtered by a leftist press. And, and so, I, you know, there, 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 there's only so many ways you can polish a turd, Jerry. In yeah. the end, it's still a turd. And, and so, and he's know, also yes, very frustrated. He's also very frustrated that his numbers are uh, worse than Donald Trump's. I mean, he's at thirty-three percent approval right now. Yes, and he's at thirty-three percent approval rating with a press that is not ninety-five percent against him as they were with Donald Trump. Exactly right. And, and but and, again, but yeah. this, but this issue of of you of, were going to um, ask me a question. Well, the question is this, and that is. This week is the J6 committee, right? The primetime uh, Hollywood produced January 6th production. Uh, the media is not hiding uh, its, uh, its purposes here. Politico has a story today that the curtain comes up on the J6 committee. Uh, they've, like, as, as you, have, you have mentioned this already. They have a big Hollywood or news they have media. They, they have the and I, I didn't mention at the top of the at the top of the show let's let's explain here so hold on for a second actually let's let's set There's it a up. question I, I do have a question for you though all right well give me give me a second let's set let's, it up and then i'm gonna answer the question let, let's set it up good so you have hearings we have had hearings that have been televised in prime time before right the watergate hearings were televised in prime time uh, other hearings have been televised in prime time but that coverage was essentially like C-SPAN's coverage is now. You have a couple of cameras. It, you have it, also, it, also was, it, it also was in response to the public's interests. Yes. Oh, well, the yeah. public was interested in what was yes, happening yes, in Watergate. Yes. yes. And, and so, but you had, you, it, was, it was essentially the bare bones. It was not, right? It was not one side. Now, there were media outlets that had their thumbs on the scale with regards to Watergate or other things. But but at right. least with the hearing portion of it, the televised portion of the hearings, their thumbs were not on the scale, right? It was just showing what was happening inside the halls of Congress. But now right. the, the Democrats have hired, right? They have hired the former president of ABC News, right, to come in and produce their thing. It, it is quite literally, Jerry, and I mentioned this on the air, it is, it is like the movie Wag the Dog, David Mamet's script, Barry Levinson. Uh, um, uh, Barry Levinson directed film uh, in which a Hollywood producer is hired to produce a fake war to, to distract the public away from the president's failing uh, ratings because of a scandal. Uh, so this is what they've done. And it's not going to be just people sitting behind um, um, a, a, a chair and, or I'm sorry, a table and testifying to members of Congress sitting up on a dais. It is going to be the members. It is going to be videos. They're going to play videos of the depth. And I'm not making shtick here, right? I, I said on the air the other day, uh, they'll probably do docudramas. No, literally, this is literally what they're doing. Video clips from depositions, um, um, uh, members speaking, uh, slickly produced videos elsewhere. The, it, it literally is going to be a multimedia um, um, Hollywood style news production. Go ahead, Jerry. Question. And well, the question is this: during the Kavanaugh, during the Gorsuch uh, hearings uh, for their nomination, you had the majority leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, in front of the Supreme Court, shout shrill yeah. that uh, these Supreme Court justices uh, will feel the the. The what did he say? The whirlwind. Reap, reap the whirlwind. 
Yes. Yes. Um, uh, you won't know what hit you. Yeah. And yeah. then and then this week we have a an assassin uh, uh, arrested before he could kill uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. There's no trial. There's no there's no uh, committee hearings. There's no news coverage. Why? Why isn't Chuck Schumer? Why aren't the Democrats uh, being held to account uh, for for this kind of rhetoric? We, we know the answer, Jerry. Listen, it's the same reason why if you look at the June uh, 2020 riots outside of it was May or June 2020 riots outside of the White House, you know, where they had to disperse the crowd because they were in danger uh, of, of breaching the White House fences. It's the same reason why they don't right. call that an insurrection. Um, and, and I think was, I, I don't remember if anybody was killed. I don't think anybody was killed. I know there were people who were injured, seriously injured federal law enforcement yeah, officials, right. um, you know, outside of the white house by, and, and, and of course the media spun that story later on that the president cleared it for a photo op, which is patently yeah. untrue. They breached the white house. Well, they breached uh, the property. They, yeah. They breached the property. outside property. Yes. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Again, how is that not in by there? It, so. Look, it, it's not insurrection um, because, it, you know, because because uh, insurrection is a legal term. This much. But, I dare but, say, hold on. I dare say that that if we're if we're comparing, maybe it's like being a little pregnant. You can't just be a little pregnant. It either is or it isn't. And I don't think that's right. the case. I think there are I do think there are degrees here. I think if we are making a comparison. Oh, that was more of a insurrection. That's as, my point, oh, yeah. right? Because yes. here's the reason yeah. why, because. Because uh, those uh, those protesters who breached the the fence of the White House, they were well organized. Yes, uh, they had backup. Uh, they were armed. Uh, they had media coverage. They had political coverage. You hey. see, an insurrection is a conspiracy where you have to have different facets working together. Uh, the January six uh, was was a blowhard president. God bless him. Uh, 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 talking to his followers, uh, many of whom uh, suffer from the cult of personality. I get that. But the fact of the matter is it was a mob attack on the Capitol, which is horrendous. Yes. But the Democrats have turned it into something it's not. And and the very thing that they're accusing the Trump people supporters of doing, they've engaged themselves. And what's worse, we've had types of insurrections look what about during the gorsuch and kavanaugh hearings when they shut down they shut down the senate yes they stopped yeah. the proceedings of the of the nom of, of, of nominating supreme court justices that is under the auspices of insurrection again the hypocrisy but here's here's mercedes slap yeah uh put this out yesterday i was gonna read it she said reminder that the january 6th committee is being led by representative bernie thompson who voted to overturn the 2004 election, Representative Jamie Raskin, who voted to overturn the 2016 election, yeah. and Representative Adam Schiff, uh, who claimed for years that he had proof of Russian collusion. Right. Uh, so, again, these people running this committee have all done they've done literally what they're accusing Trump of doing. And, and this and this gets into something that Biden said yesterday on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, here's what he had to say about about Republicans not following the rules. Look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Yeah. Well, well, guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. Well, I mean, yeah. not a joke. No, it's not a not, joke. And not guess a joke. what? 
you know, and let me let me stop the share here. I mean, this is this is the problem, right? Is that is that they do not play by the rules, and they accuse. Well, here here's a question. Not, hold, on, hold on, Jerry. It was not Republicans who used the FBI both before the 2016 election as a tool to influence that election. Right. Right. Who, who, who then used the FBI as a tool after the election to both uh, uh, in, in, in intimidate and investigate and and uh, surveil uh, members of the Trump cabinet, uh, who then the, the director of the FBI. Remember, James Comey said. He admitted that 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 they took advantage of the chaos in the early days of the Trump administration to send over a couple of guys uh, to go and intimidate Flynn, Michael Flynn, the national, the, the nominated national security advisor, right? He admitted this. this is, I'm not making this up. And, and and what was the end result, right? I mean, Mike Flynn was uh, was convicted of 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 a bully to do this uh, of paperwork violations, right? Nothing they, ever substantive. They threatened. They threatened to jail his son. Yes. They did to throw to throw trumped up charges at his son if he did not admit to. And, and the end result is complete chaos in the national security apparatus and making this for not just making this administration, making the new administration look weak, but also weakening the incoming administration. But again, this is this is the frustration because we have this January 6th committee. You have it's, it's by the way, it was founded. Right. It was formed, established almost a year ago, J- July of last year. Uh, it has it has had myriad committee hearings. It has had uh, press coverage. It's had support from the media and from Hollywood. Uh, and and if if I decide that this is a uh, show trial, well, then I'm a, I'm a, I'm accused of covering up. Sure. But, covering so, up what? All right. So let's tell you what at, at, with that, because I want to talk about that issue. Uh, it's time for the bottom line. The bottom line. Jerry, I'm so glad you brought up that concept because I am I am someone who raised the issue of the of the the Stalinist show trial or the sure. frankly the Maoist show trial. That's what be- this is. Be- because because essentially what they're doing, and right, and we, we know why are they doing this? Well, they're doing this because their numbers are terrible and they hope to blunt, they hope to distract some Americans. They want to remind people. I'm actually surprised they're not doing this in the fall, but I think they realize that all of these people who are on this committee need to be out there uh, campaigning to hold on to their phony baloney jobs, so they got to do it now. Um, but but the reality is they're doing this because they want to uh, try to distract Americans and peel off some Americans, and it's not going to work, as as you pointed out, Americans just aren't interested in this. Well, I have a question for you, please. Yes, sir. What is it? Because here's what you hear from the committee members from uh lynn uh, from lynn cheney lynn uh, liz liz cheney lynn cheney liz was cheney. the wife liz cheney is the liz daughter. cheney of course um and what you hear from uh, uh from schiff and from others uh jamie raskin uh they talk about this wide conspiracy they talk about uh the the uh, the actors and how it was well organized and and all the rest of it but they haven't presented any of this well they're presenting it tonight i mean that's the thing so, so that's the question. Then. What, what is your expectation? What's the big smoking gun? Well, I, I don't know if there is a smoking gun, right? I think what it is, Jerry, is that if you if you create a uh, if you create enough smoke, and you produce that smoke thickly enough and expertly enough, you can distract people into realizing that there's really no fire, right? If you have, it's like this. It's like a big concert. 
you know, produces, you know, a, a good concert will produce smoke and maybe they'll have some pyrotechnics. But at the end of the day, it's not really a fire. No one's really firing cannons on the stage. They're not they're not really lighting off fire while some there. Hold on, hold on. The big the, risk here is that they're going they're going to fail spectacularly. Well, well that's a hope, too. There's certainly there's certainly a, a, a hope that is involved. But let's 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 let's, you know, put put a, a spotlight on this for a second. When I say this, that it's a it's a show trial in the Maoist sense or the Stalinist sense, it's that you're putting folks on display who have no real opportunity or ability to defend themselves. You present a lot of evidence, but all that evidence evidence is one sided so that there is no cross examination that is done. Right. Because you have one perspective on this committee and Nancy Pelosi and others have engineered it. So there aren't the Jim Jordans of the world or anybody else able to offer up a response there in real time. Because of course, Jerry, if they did that, that would just confuse, that would just be Republicans confusing the issue, right? It wouldn't be an actual defense of the situation. So it, it, it becomes a, it's a sham. It is, it is literally all about presenting a case and using enough, right? This is why you hire the former head of ABC news to slickly produce it. It's about creating enough, you know, video clips and sound clips and taking things out of context so that you're dazzling people uh, so that in the end, they think that they've that they've learned something. They think that they've seen a smoking gun when there's really no there there. I remember early in the process, um, Mark Meadows emails were released and you had, uh, again, Liz Cheney and Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin and the rest saying that this was proof of a conspiracy. Yes. Because uh, uh, media, uh, conservative media, were texting him and emailing him, stop this. You got to get the president to say something. Yes. But again, the irony there is, is that if this was a conspiracy, there would have to be cover, cover for them in the media. Yeah. So the most friendly Trump media outlet fox news was texting and and emailing the chief of staff get the president to say something this is terrible yeah again they thought it was like aha but in actuality it proves that it wasn't a conspiracy right but but you know let's take the other part of this which is right they want to see how many i'm, I'm not going to use it there was a certain phrase I was gonna, they want to see how many Republicans they can cancel in order to, you know, regain other aspects of power. So, right. So they, they, uh, they want to go after, they're going to go after Ginny Thomas. Like I know one of the things that's going to come out of this, uh, uh, if not tonight, then certainly when they come back on the air in a couple of weeks, right. Cause this is not just tonight. It's in a couple of weeks as well, as Jerry pointed out to me the other day, that one of the results is they're going to, there's going to be inc- renewed demands for Clarence Thomas to step down. Um, because of 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 Ginny Thomas and Ginny Thomas's text messages to Mark Meadows, um, there's going to be renewed calls to indict Donald Trump and probably renewed calls to indict members of Donald Trump's family. Right. That's that's the that's where they're going to go there. Uh, they're going to go after conservative organizations. You know, right. They've they've they've, they've already started on, on the gun issue. They've already started to go after heritage. They're going to go after others. They're going to use this as a springboard to go after everybody. Now, as you've said, and I think accurately. They are going to overreach because, again, most Americans don't care about what happened on January 6, 2021 anymore. I mean, they they think it's serious. And again, not that I should have to say this, but I do. 
What happened was a tremendously dark day for America that day, but an insurrection it was not. But the reality is most Americans are seeing what's happening on those, you know, those prices of the gas pump or empty shelves at the supermarket or the economy shrinking. Um, uh, first time mortgage applications are down. Let me digress for a second, Jerry, because some lefty was on on social media uh, saying that um, uh, talking about how they had some Republican senator who's retiring, uh, they had offered to buy his house and uh, the, the price kept going down uh, and they were able to underbid and get the house. And this is evidence that, in fact, uh, um, uh, inflation is not a bad thing. What? And it, 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 listen, it, it, it's specious reasoning, to say the least. But the, to me, it's emblematic of the fact that we are facing we are about to face a major bubble in housing. Oh, yeah. You know, housing, housing prices have shot up. And so we're seeing the beginnings of that bubble. First time mortgage applications are down. And and so, Look, you know, if you're if you listen, if you're looking to sell your house, try to sell it now because it's going to be very difficult to do in the weeks and, and months yeah. uh, ahead. I mean, this, I, I want to respond to this real quick, um, but but then I want to get back to the committee. And that is yeah. um, there is there is no easy way out of the economic mess we're in. Yes. Uh, because uh, if you want to slow inflation, uh, you have to raise interest rates. But if you raise interest rates then small businesses uh, don't have the resources, right? Because they, sure. they borrow, they, don't have the, they won't have the resources to expand. And so where we're heading uh, is to a 1970s style stagflation. Stagflation, absolutely. That's where we're heading. So, but however, back to the committee, I want to say this. But, but, but oh, hold on, hold on. Back to the, yeah, come back to the committee and then I, I want to say something about what you just said about e- economics. So back to the committee just for a yeah. second. And that Please. is, uh, you know, you're right about Jenny Thomas. You're right about Heritage. Because Ginny Thomas was talking about uh, how there were uh, irregularities in the 2020 election. Uh, There was talk about um, uh, conversations about not seating perhaps this delegation from uh, from the Electoral College, et cetera, et cetera. And that's going to seem damning. Yes. But the problem is, is that this is what happens every election. And again, Jamie Raskin on the floor of the house refused uh, to accept the electoral college. You know, uh, uh, Bernie Thompson, the chairman of this committee in, in 2004, he voted to overturn the 2004 election. And uh, one last point. Yeah. 2016 Hillary Clinton hired law firms in specific States to come up with strategies to, uh, to, um, uh, to have alternative electors seated yes so, my, okay. so, so they've done this sorry time out for a second it's, i'm so glad you brought that up because it's exactly where i was going a lot of folks don't know in 2008 i was uh was going to be an elector if, if, if for for john mccain if, not happy about this say what you will but in 2008 john i was a republican party official in maryland john mccain was the nominee uh, i was going to be an elector for john mccain from the first congressional district now that was 2008 in 2016, I began to get inundated with emails from people who thought that I was an elector and begging me to switch my vote, begging me to switch my vote. And, and, the, and the, uh, the emails were all eerily the same. And it was very clear that someone had gotten together a list of old electors, um, set aside for the fact, by the way, that I was no longer living in the first congressional district of Maryland. 
but I was besieged. And I'm pretty sure, Jerry, that if we peeled back the onion, we would have found that it was some affiliate of the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, that was that had, had organized and gotten this bad list together, yet another bad move by the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign, and was organizing, emailing electors to get them to switch their votes. Yeah. I got those emails. So does yeah. that mean that I was uh, that that the folks who were trying to commit an insurrection by by trying to convince me? I well, certainly yeah, didn't and think again, so at the time. But this this is the intellectual uh, uh, laziness of our media. Yeah, uh, literally, literally. What they're accusing Trump supporters of doing is a regular practice yes. every single election cycle. I, I, listen, I don't know if it's a regular practice every single election. I think it is certainly in the modern era. It has become more regular because it's easier to do every now. every election in my lifetime. Yes, there has been monkey business uh, and, and legal strategies sure. uh, in terms of the Electoral College. My, my point is, oh, and, is that, and by the way, hold on. And by the way, one of the goals of this J6 hearing is to get rid of the Electoral College. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Which, of course, would be insane yes. because then we would be governed essentially by L.A. and uh, and New York. Yes. So, I mean, so again, well, I was going to say this. I don't understand why uh, the Republicans and again, maybe Fred Smith, our old uh, uh, mentor uh, boss at CEI, was right. The Republican Party is just so stupid. Yes, there's the evil. Party I mean, the stupid what party. I would do is I would take Jeremy Raskin's speech on the floor of the House. I would take Bernie Thompson, who's the chairman of this committee, and I would play in a loop like on Twitter. The RNC should play in a loop. They're refusing uh, to seat electors yes. in uh, 2016. That was Jamie Raskin. Uh, and, and 2004, that was Bernie Thompson. And it's not just them. There, there are myriad Democratic representatives who in the year in the after the 2000 election, the 2004 election uh, and the 2016 election, they refused. They voted. They literally listen to my well, listen to my voice. Tell you they literally voted to overturn the elections. Yes, Jamie, Jamie Raskin, who is who is lionized on the left now as this great constitutional scholar and, and you know, was was at the center of this. Jerry, I want to go back to something you said earlier, just real quick, because I about the I economy. To, about the economy. Yeah. I have a very simple recipe for all of this, um, and and it starts with sell your sell your house and move to Ireland. That's oh, okay. I sell your house, move to Ireland, and then get one of those inflatable Irish pubs and put it in your backyard. Okay. That they that we have your Irish pub. Um, but you know there are things that they can do to to spur economic growth and it, it listen it starts with it starts with a, a little bit of certainty and it starts with with not monkeying around with you know with with the uh, the the um the granular details of our economy through the regulatory process right if you if you started if joe biden announced today that they were going to that they first thing where they were going to do was in, was engaged they don't have to declare the defense production act but they can say every we are going to make every regulatory tool available to make it easier for people to drill uh, for oil and natural gas in the United States and coal. That would send an immediate signal to the economy, um, um, uh, an immediate signal on the gas price issue. And then if they said, if we are going to now institute, you know something, we well, the have problem. Massive- with, however, the problem hold with hold that on. is, I, the- I know what the problem is, Jerry. They would never do it. No, no, no. no. There's a bigger problem. If let's let's say in fantasy world they would do they would do it. Uh, there's no capital. There's no money to go drill. 
But no, but okay. But this is this is my other part of this, which is that that then you you have to deal with the other side of the regulatory process, which is you get rid of the whole ESG uh, initiative over at the SEC. Um, yeah, you yeah. get rid of the other regulatory impediments that are involved here, right? I mean, you know, it's it's funny. We were talking to somebody the other day um, about about green energy, right, and and about the concept of you know battery driven cars, et cetera. Okay, we can't drill, we can't mine for any of that stuff here in the United States because the regulatory barriers are so high. You know, if and you also, want to build solar cells here at home and you want to build better batteries here at home, okay, let us drill for the rare earth minerals here at home instead of having to go to China and do those things. Um, it, we're actually, the thing, by the way, hold on. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be filing comments with the SEC on their ESG issue, uh, both uh, Institute for Liberty and the Institute for Regulatory Analysis and Engagement. Um, that rulemaking is uh, is uh, is happening right now as well. Go ahead, Jerry. You mentioned green energy. I have to say this because there was a report today. By the way, I'm sitting this morning having a cup of coffee, and and Erica, my wife, she loves to watch the Weather Channel in the morning. Yeah, and I get a kick out of it because the Weather Channel has become uh, an eco indoctrination channel. Yeah, and so they're talking about all the rain that we had in the Washington D.C. Uh, uh, you know, the DC Baltimore corridor uh, and how there's flooding in Ellicott, in Ellicott city and, and, and how a, a concert venue was, uh, was watered out, so to speak, rained out. And then they go in to say, you know, normally this would be good news because of, uh, you know, the saturation and the, and the moisture. Uh, but, but, but already this region is oversaturated uh, because of climate change. And then they quickly go to another segment about another part of the country where they're experiencing drought. And of course, that is climate change. Because of climate change. Yeah. yeah and so and I'm sitting there and Erica's next to me. I'm like, yeah, oh, there's the sun, climate change. Oh, there's yes. the moon, climate change. Uh, but but to your point about about so they did this, they did this uh, uh, I, on the news today. I saw this um, this uh, piece, this bit where uh, the CEO of one of the big car companies uh, uh, drives out an electric car and yes. puts it at, puts it oh, at, yes. puts it at a, a charging station and a reporter uh, maybe the reporter didn't even understand what what he he was asking. Uh, where's this? Where's this uh, electricity? How How's it being from? produced? Well, it's from the grid. Oh, and they talked to the guy from the energy companies That's right, right here. Uh, well, well, yeah. Where's where's this power coming from? Uh, from coal. Ninety percent of it was coming from coal. From coal. So my is- point. So my my point is, and I told this to my kids earlier today. This idea that green energy is um is a solution is a myth. Uh, we we the, the electric car, the the components, the battery in particular, uh, you have to destroy the earth, uh, strip mine, uh, use slave labor, slave labor. In, in, uh, in places like China and Africa in order to get these rare earth material that is not sustainable because there's not a um, there's not a limitless supply. So the electric car is burning fossil fuel coal and it's uh, strip mining the earth. It is not a green solution. And, and I want to go back to something you said, Jerry, because you talked about the problem of, of stagflation and, and, and waving a magic wand. And, yes. and most importantly, the issue of capital access. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> going to get, I'm going to take 30 seconds of personal privilege to talk a little bit about this. These regulatory costs are not done in a vacuum. We know that in terms of direct regulatory costs on the economy, um, and I, I, so this is my background. For those of you who don't know, I was, I, I, I was a regulatory lobbyist and, and advocate for many years. Um, I was on the Small Business Administration's Regulatory Fairness Board. Anyway, um, 
and and then I'm using SBA numbers, by the way, at least for the first, uh, you know, some of them. Um, we know that the regulatory cost to the economy, the direct regulatory cost during the Obama administration doubled from $1.1 trillion to $2.25 trillion, a little bit more than doubling. So that means that 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 out of the economy regular, and I don't, I'm not saying that we need to exist in a zero regulation environment, but we have to recognize that in an economy that is right now about 19 trillion dollars in size, 20 trillion dollars in size, um, that that you know, capital is being is flowing out for for the interests of the government to the tune of about two and a quarter trillion dollars. And that that number didn't grow appreciably. It grew a little bit under the Trump administration, but certainly for the first couple of years of the Trump administration it was only growing by about one to two percent per year, which is which had been unheard of beforehand, certainly under the Obama administration, where it grew so drastically. We also know that for every dollar in direct regulatory cost, there is a $19 multiplier in lost opportunity cost. Um, and this is done the, the work done by some economists at Appalachian State, North Carolina State University. Um, they, they're the ones who came up with this. And, and so when we're talking about the, the, um, the Biden administration hitting the accelerator on regulatory costs, this contributes to the stagnation of the economy. As our friend Wayne Cruz at the Competitive Enterprise Institute says, you don't have to teach small businesses, how, I'm sorry, you don't have to teach uh, the grass had to grow. You just have to remove the rocks from the lawn that are that are weighing them down. That's sure. where we are. And every time we turn around, administrations like the Biden administration, they want to put more rocks on the lawn. You spend some time getting rid of those rocks. It helps to go a long way towards getting businesses, their capital back. I want to use an example real quick. It's like this. And Jerry talks about the broken windows theory of policing. There's also the broken windows theory of economics which says that let's say that you are a um, uh, you own a glass uh, a glass company a window company uh, and your 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 um, your business is flagging so you send some friendly, somebody from your business down to the local strip mall one night to throw rocks in the window of all of those those businesses well they now have to come to you to get your windows and the left would say in the same way that they talk about regulation well Regulation stimulates the economy because it creates new jobs and new industries. Well, the broken window, uh, the, the window replacement company, they, they may be the ones making money, but what they're doing is they're siphoning capital away. If a business has to pay $1,000 to replace their window, that's $1,000 that they can't spend on upgrades to their computers to make their processes more efficient or on repairing uh, uh, some manufacturing machine or upgrading that manufacturing machine. And so you have to remember that these things have an impact. So there are things that there are things that can be done. Yeah. The Biden administration and, just and, won't embrace them. But you're right on all of it. The regulatory route that you speak of. Look, there's a reason why during the Trump administration, the first three years, we saw unprecedented absolutely uh, wage uh, wage growth. We saw job growth. Uh, we saw economic growth, uh, and it was because. Uh, he was sunlighting. He was he was reevaluating uh, regulations. Yes. He was he was getting sunsetting. What did I say? Sunlighting. You said sunlighting, but but you're but it's a sunsetting it's a good term to use because he was doing two things, right? He was sunsetting rules that were outmoded and expensive, but he was also putting sunlight on processes that had right. gone far too long in the dark. It's a it's a great and it's it, a great way to put it. Jim. And it and it worked. And and, yes. and 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 so we we again, I say this on my radio show all the time. There is no problem in front of us uh, that there, there is no solution. 
uh, we can get out of the economic mess. Uh, we, what, you know, we need to stop spending. The number one thing to do to stop, to get us out of the mess immediately, it's not even an immediate is the wrong term to use, but we, we, we have to stop putting dollars, government dollars uh, uh, in, in, into the economy, into, yeah. into the economy. We yeah. just have to stop doing it. There's too much government spending uh, yeah. long-term. Uh, it's the regulatory uh, issues you've talked about, but you're right. The, unfortunately, the, the Democratic Party is captured uh, by uh, what is it, Andrew? Is it it's it's again, it's kind of this religiosity it, it, it's of statism. I mean, it, it is it is it is. Statism. But you would think th- there was a time when when uh, when a liberal or a conservative confronted with the reality of their failed policy preferences uh, would compromise, change their minds and do something different. Well, that's the, that gets into the faith issue in the articles of uh, you know, right. the, the Democratic Party seems personal, to be yeah. unable. I mean, Larry Summers, who's a Democrat, yes, has been warning this administration about their spending policies and, and how it will cause inflation. He's now saying, watch out, we're going to have recession. And no one's listening to him. One of my favorite scenes uh, uh, from that movie, the 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 social the was it the Social Network, the one about Facebook, is uh, the guy yeah. playing Larry Summers uh, when the uh, Winklevoss twins are in his office and he calls his assistant and he says, "Can you come in?" Yeah. And he comes and he goes, "Can you punch me in the face? <laughs> Can you punch me in the face?" <laughs> I hope that that was I hope that that was real. But that's exactly right. Let's remember. Bill Clinton, when confronted with the contract with America, had to make changes to the way he governed. Yes. Right. They, 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 they didn't do everything that, that the Republicans in Congress wanted, but he did do a lot. And so things like the Regulatory Flexibility Act were passed and implemented, signed into welfare law. Reform. Welfare reform. Welfare reform. But 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 the point is, there's a reason why that, you know, that some of the environmental policies of the Clinton administration didn't do worse damage to the economy was because of things like the Re- Regulatory Flexibility Act and Spree for the Small Business Regulatory Force and Fairness It's Act. interesting. The, the, the Clinton years were, of course, was the last time that in, in, a, in, a, in a fiscal year, America had a, a balanced budget. Right. And, and because Bill Clinton recognized, you know, and it, it, again, right, you think about these things. Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to pass judgment as to whether or not the impeachment of Bill Clinton was the right thing or the wrong thing to do. We're not going to talk about Monica Lewinsky. And we, we talk about this. But on retrospect, right, you think about the, how the, the balance and uh, and not the collegiality necessarily, but sort of the recognition of concrete realities by both parties and how that drove. And maybe that's the big change, Jerry, is that on the progressive left, there has been this push towards untethering objective reality. Right. right? Something the, the, I've talked the, about. Look, look, and, and look. Obviously, I'm. I have a perspective. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm a conservative. It, but that doesn't mean that I don't want a functioning, pragmatic Democratic Party. Yes. You know, we had on, uh, and again, we didn't. Uh, we didn't get the tape, but we'll get. We'll have We're her back. Get her on back. Again. We're going to probably have her back you know, next Friday. You know, Hannah Cox talked about how there's uh, problems with both parties, and of course, that's true. But I do think sometimes our friends on the right uh, do a kind of moral equivocation where 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 they 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 are allowing that the 
What, no, no, I know where you're. I know. Hold on, I know they, where you're going with this. Let me they, let me see if I can let me see if I can sure. sum it up for you. It, it is it is essentially we un, we still believe that we ought to be able to work together, and so we go out of our way to try to be cooperative and collegial, and it inevitably bites us on the it, and the it tooth. doesn't work. And yeah. the thing is, is and, and I'm sorry, I I don't think both parties are equally Agreed. at fault, uh, but our side is compelled. Well, uh, to is, do that, it is. It is, as someone recently said, why is invariably when the Democrats are talking about how there are multiple truths, why is it that we always have to go along with where with their truth? Why don't they ever come and acknowledge our truth? Right. Why is it that that, you know, we are bad for saying that bees are not fish, you know, that we're, we're evil for that? Why are we bad for saying that maybe just maybe a lot of a lot of young people who have decided that they are gender fluid trans um uh oh god what's the other one it's it's uh whatever 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 lgbtqia you know um uh, one of those why why when we say that a certain percentage of them oh i don't know maybe uh uh trying to follow the trends of the world why is it that when we say you know because we didn't even get into it with the, the the gun legislation today when we say, okay, we have to have a conversation in America about what constitutes an adult. Is it 18? Is it 21? Is it 26? Right? Why is it that you have to be 21 to buy a gun, but you don't have agency, but you don't have agency enough to buy a gun at age 18, but you have agency at age 16, 15, 14 to determine whether or not you are a different gender, whether or not you want to have some kind of gender mutilation surgery right. or have, you know, physiology altering hormones injected into your body. You know, the, the, you can't do that. Uh, we want to lower the voting age to 16, but we want you to stay in your parents' health insurance until you're 26. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's, I mean, here, here's the reality, Jerry, hold on for a second. I would be happy. And I'll say this, maybe I'm wrong here talking about compromises and maybe I'm trying to compromise too much, but let's make 21. If we want to make 21, the adult age, let's, let's make 21, it. the adult age from, from, from voting to smoking, to drinking, to, to serving mili- in the military, serving in the military the that let's make, just make it 21. 21 is the age of it. getting off your parents' insurance at age 21, unless you're in look, college. I mean, look in, in, in many States, California, New York, in a, fact, a, a 14 year old, Maybe that's what we write our op-ed this our, our first Andrew and Jerry Save the World op-ed. Maybe that's what it should be on. But the problem, the challenge is, is that you have to open up the constitutional amendment process uh, because of the of the voting age. I, that's fine. I don't care about that. L- listen again. That's fine. Let's 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 have that. Maybe it's time, and maybe that's the the title. Maybe it's time to repeal. What is it? The uh, the twenty fourth amendment, right? I forget. Yeah, All yeah. right. You know, maybe it's time to repeal the twenty fourth and bring the voting age back to twenty one. Um, listen, I want to shift gears, Jerry, because we've talked about, uh, uh, some intense stuff today. I have something fun for you that I, that I want to say. So, um, I was, let me share the screen pull this over here. And then remind me, we got a couple of other things to, uh, to take care of. Um, I was, you know, I woke up three in the morning a couple of weeks ago and, and was thinking about stuff. And I was thinking about the band, The Small Faces. Are you familiar with The Small Faces, Jerry? Oh, my goodness. Of course. Okay. So Steve Marriott, who founded the band, um, uh, uh, Ronnie, I think it was Ronnie Wood. The, the Small Faces later became The Faces with uh, Rod Stewart as, as the front man. Steve Marriott later went on to, uh, to uh, uh, form Humble Pie. And as I'm reading about The Small Faces and Steve Marriott, I come across a little anecdote, Jerry, about the song Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. 
And an anecdote about uh, from Steve. Now it's from Steve Marriott, who says that Robert Plant, when Led Zeppelin was forming, right out of the old Yardbirds, that Robert Plant beforehand uh, was a big fan of the Small Faces, would come around to their concerts. And when he heard Whole Lot of Love, it sounded an awful lot like a song by the Small Faces called You Need Loving. Now, wait, so before you play this, yeah. I'm just going to say, I haven't, I haven't heard this yet. Um, I believe this is wrong. Okay. And I'll tell you why in a second, but go all ahead. Right. No, no, no. And, and keep in mind that all of this stuff is because is, uh, a lot of British rock in the mid to late 60s was based upon American blues. Yes. And so a whole lot of love was was based on that. But it's not it's it's how the faces did you need loving. I want you to listen to this. I'm about 20 seconds into it. All right, here you go. All right, I'm going to pause it there, Jerry. Your thoughts. Now, my thoughts are this. This is the small faces um, uh, adding on to uh, Willie Dixon's You Need Love. Yes. Uh, 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 and I think Muddy Waters, there's a Muddy Waters version of it. So the small faces, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Hendrix in America, uh, Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, all the uh, uh, Jeff Beck, uh, Rod Stewart, uh, you know, uh, when he was so all these guys were big fans of American blues. And so the Willie Dixon song, You Need Love. Yes, I'm sure this is an adaptation of that. And of course, Robert Plant has said freely that whole lot of love Zeppelin song is based on the Muddy Waters version of You Need Love. So, you know I, I'm not going to pull it up now. I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up uh, uh, next. But I will say this much. Steve Marriott said he heard Zeppelin's version of it. And he, 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 he let's not mince words. Remember, no, no, hold on, hold no, on, hold on. Nothing else sounds the same in that song well, other and, than the other than the 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 kind of the 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 groaning lyric the, well, the groaning. lyrics but also the way steve marriott is singing it it also sounds like you know something it reminded me of the beat reminded me of um um how many more times by zeppelin yeah how again, many more times yeah yeah but again <laughs> so, based on yeah but, but but my point is this steve marriott heard a whole lot of love and he said oh isn't that good? steve marriott thought it was great i mean he he did he never weighed in as to whether or not can you it play was can you a ripoff can, can you play a whole lot of love real quick the, the original whole lot of love i mean no no uh, zeppelin's version yeah that's what i'm saying yeah play that real quick and again you know robert led zeppelin's first two albums led zeppelin one led zeppelin two were 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 carry-ons adaptations heavier versions of Amer of american blues yes well of course they were um, but i mean so were, so were so many of the yeah. of uh, here, but then but this. then you know but then led zeppelin 3 uh was more you know, Led Zeppelin three came out in 1973, way yes. before the way before the punk scene. And if you listen to Led Zeppelin three, uh, you know, you know, Led Zepp gets the they're the you know they're the they're the the the, the first heavy metal band. Yeah, I make the argument. You you listen to Led Zeppelin three, they could be the first punk band. You just, by the way, Led Zeppelin three, my favorite Led Zeppelin album. Yeah, a lot a lot of punk, yeah. a lot of funk, a lot of, a lot of acoustic 
and and and, and so again, I, play we, we, by the way we're going to get dinged on this they're probably going to wind up muting this stuff so but but anyway we'll see so uh just so you know here's here's i, I put in about 20 seconds the whole lot of love You get the you get the picture. Yeah, but again, those two songs are completely different. Well, they're different. I mean, they're different. They're different. They're different ish. I the, 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 the whole lot that that whole lot of love riff is the reason Van Halen existed. Yes. The Dan the Dan Dan that that is sure. unique. That now it's interesting. Do you, can can you pull up? Can you pull up Willie Dixon's uh, "You Need Love"? Oh, Willie Dixon's, or do you want or you want Muddy Waters? Oh, Muddy Waters. Well, I'm sorry, Muddy Water. Muddy Waters. Uh, you need, I think it's called You Need Love. You Need Love. I'm, yeah. You Need Love. Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be, uh, hold on, because they may give me an ad. Oh. Yeah. They're, they're not giving me an ad. So hold on for one second. Shoot, music show. Yeah. You know. You got yawning. See, sure. That's that's a whole lot of love. Even the inflection, you know, the the inflection. I, I still think that Steve Marriott's inflection is very similar to that, Jerry. I don't know. I, I, you know something? What I well, want? Who, no, but again, but who was the small faces ripping off then? The well, muddy waters. Muddy waters. Yes. Yeah. Right. All right. I wonder if there. I wonder if anybody's done a uh, um a a mashup of those things. But again, if if. if I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, listen, but listen, Muddy listen, Waters listen, deserves listen, credit not, there. Not casting aspersions. I, I am a much bigger fan of Led Zeppelin than I am of Small Faces. I just got it in my head. Boy, you know something? I've always been interested in, in how Steve Marriott founded Humble Pie, and then that that came up. I just because I'd heard Thirty Days in the Hole earlier that day. Let's shift gears real quick, Jerry, um, because you've got it, a very important birthday in your in your family. Well, yeah, th- this week, my dad, my father, uh, Big Jerry, eighty four. Wow. 84 years old. And, you know, I talk about my dad a lot on the radio show, but I, I you know, and I, and I won't, I, I don't want to get, um, you get know, emotional. Uh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want get to, emotional. but, but um, you're getting emotional. Your dad's a great man, Jerry, you know, and no, no better man. Well, here, you know, something, let's talk about this for a second, because, you know, you think about this, you think about when we were, we were kids, and you imagine, you know, 84 being immeasurably old. And I'm sure your dad is like my dad in that in that he is he just does not seem 84, does he? Well, my, my, my dad has slowed down. Um, I think uh, I think uh, like like, for instance, he was cute yesterday. He woke up and my mom was like he just earlier in the morning. Hey, Jerry, it's your birthday. Oh, it is. <laughs> how how old am I? You know what I mean, so my, my you know, but however, um, you get my dad, you know, sitting in his chair and you want to start talking about stories and, 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 and the things he's done, you know, I, I, you know, again, ranging from I was once on Park Avenue. Um, I drove my mom and dad into the city. Their accountant was there to do their their taxes at the time. And we're walking out and there's this big skyscraper building in front of us. And my father's like, yeah, I laid the foundation for that building. Wow. I was like, what? I was like, what? And then and then, you know, he told me another story about. 
about 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 the uh, the D line in the New York City Transit Authority. He laid the, he laid the track for that. That's amazing. And, and there, there are parts of New York City that wouldn't exist, but for my father's but my work labor. That's but it, amazing. It, it, and it's not just that. I mean, I, I, I tell this story all the time about how, you know, when I was going through my cool phase, 16 years old and my feathered Bon Jovi hair. And every year my 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 family went into um, Radio City Music Hall to see the tree. And, and my father warned me, he goes, hey, kid, you're going to be cold. You're going to be cold. And I just wanted to wear a sweater because, you know, I had my I had my chain and my hair. Of course. And sure enough, we go into New York City and I am freezing, yeah. uncomfortable. It was painful. You know, my father took his coat off and gave it to me and never said I told you so. That's funny. Hey, kid, I kid, I'm kid. I'm I'm, I'm I, this is too much for me. Put this, oh, put it on. And just one great. of the quick stories just of the character of this guy. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you other stories too of about course. about him taking care of yo-yos on the streets. Yes. Uh, but um, uh, but uh, but my father, uh, I moved into a new apartment, and we're painting the kitchen, and uh, Erica spilled a can of paint. Wow. And I was angry. Oh. You know, I I I was angry toward Erica. And my father, you know, my father was an Irish Irish guy. He is, a, you know, he painting is like second nature to him. Yeah. So he he quickly cleans it up and does this and does that. And we have to bring the drop cloth out outside. He goes, "Hey, kid, come with me. Let's let's get rid of this stuff." I'm like, "All right." We go outside. He goes, "Listen, Jerry, I would never say this in front of your wife." He said, "But that was wrong." He said, "You never ever correct your wife, yell at your wife in front of someone else." Absolutely. And he said, "Don't ever do that again." Mm. I said, "Yes," but the thing is, he took me outside to tell me. Yes. You see, but he's, so even, even, even I'm a married man and my father's still teaching me lessons. Of course. Appropriately on how to be a man. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm 100%, yeah. Jerry. I mean, I, 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 I totally get that. It's, it, uh, it, it makes uh, perfect sense to me having yeah. been in those situations with my, with my own father. Yeah. Do you see uh, yourself, do, do, do you see in yourself, your father, like you look in the mirror? Me too, Listen, all the time. Uh, and, and certainly when I talk, um, yeah. Um, you know, I, t- I tell a story because, you know, it's funny you say that my dad and I have had our careers overlap at various points in time. And I'll never forget um, being at a meeting on OSHA issues, occupational safety and health issues in D.C. and gathered around a bunch of table around the table, a bunch of folks <clears throat> who are working on these issues. And I, um, I, I said my name. You know, because as we do at meetings, people introduce themselves. I'm Andrew Langers when I was at the National Federation of Independent Business. And a guy at the other end of the table did a double take. Maybe it was a lady. It was a guy at the other end of the table did a double take. And it, uh, it, it was someone who would work with my dad on OSHA issues in the 1970s. And it was that nice, you know, connection there in those. Yeah. Yeah. I tell a story about my dad though. Um, you know, when Jan was deployed in 07, it's so funny. It's the second time I've talked about this today. Uh, when Jan was deployed in 07, you know, at, at Listen, it's it's tough. It's tough on kids. And and Abby was having a particularly tough time at the time. And I asked my dad for advice on on this. And and my dad gave me some very sage advice on parenting at the time. And it's because a lot of folks don't know this. I'll say this now. Uh, my mother died when I was when I was very little. My my uh, my uh, natural mother died. My dad remarried, and I love my stepmom to death. Um, but uh, um, you know, my dad was a single dad for a while, and so I asked him sort of how he did it, how he how he sort of kept uh, me and my sister on an even keel. And he gave me some good advice. And, 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 you know, it, it was, I was in my, I wasn't 40 yet. No, 
Yeah, it was not 40 yet. All right. And I, 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 we have breaking news here. I'm going to break. I'm going to tell you oh, this please. in a second. But let me, I want to say this real quick. So, in <laughs> by my the way, in, Jerry telling me oh, without telling me, he was not listening to my story. He was checking his phone. But go, go no, ahead. No, 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 so, no. Something popped up real quick. I want to yeah. say I was listening uh, about the sage advice. I, I was listening. Yeah. But, um, uh, but, uh, everyone in my family calls me uh, a, a, a baby Jerry or a little Jerry. Sure. Of course. LJ. And it's never, ever bothered me. I, lo- I love being called yeah. little Jerry. And, um, and, uh, and, but the thing is, is I, I like going and seeing people who I haven't seen in a while, uh, you know, old friends, uh, family, and they are struck. They're like, Holy cow, Jerry, you are a, you are a mirror image of your yeah. father. Yeah. And I, I always feel very proud about that. And that's here, the highest compliment. So listen to this Michigan GOP uh, gubernatorial candidate arrested on January 6th, riot related charges. Holy cow. Now, this is again, he's in F- FBI custody. This this is this this is tyranny. And, and I, I, I don't I don't know the, the, the substance here yet, but I will say this without knowing anything. I'll say this. This is this is tyranny. This is how tyranny starts. Well, so you have again. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I mean, this is this is this is insanity. This is why I was saying that the timing of the indictment of those six Proud Boys for seditious conspiracy cannot be denied. There's a reason why that happened today, because that will be center stage in this in this January 6th hearing thing tonight. They will make that a a center stage point. They will make the charging of the Proud Boys with seditious conspiracy a part and parcel of this. So you'll read more about it. Listen, before I let you go, Jerry, because we are coming up uh, on, on time here. Uh, are you doing any fill-ins in the next uh, week? You are, aren't you? I'm up. I, I'm struck by this. I, I cannot believe that the Justice Department will will interfere, will interfere in a uh, in a in a statewide election for, I, for governor. I, I hesitate to talk about it because I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But but we'll if we need to do a supplement, we'll do a supplement. Are you but are you filling in at all? I'm uh, I'm well. My show on Sunday, uh, yeah. Erica's, Erica's birthday, by the way, uh, June 12. I'm I'm doing my show on WBAL, but I'm also going to be on uh, uh, June 16th uh, and June 20th. I'm doing a, a late night show on uh, both both nights. That's right. You're doing those things. So real quick, uh, you and I are also doing a special supplemental show on Monday night. Uh, we'll get it up there. We are interviewing. Want to make sure I got these guys' uh, names right. Uh, we are going to be interviewing. Uh, Bert Kearns and Jeff Abraham, they are the authors of a book called The Show Won't Go On. They've had storied careers in terms of uh, comedy and television and the history of TV, uh, a little fun interview uh, that we're doing. I am going to be back on filling or, or co-hosting with Larry O'Connor on the 29th and 30th of June. Uh, and then again, uh, the, for the entirety of July 4th week, I will be in. Larry is going to be off, so I will be in what they call the first chair. Uh, filling in. I want to thank you all for tuning in. You can catch those, by the way, if you missed, uh, if you missed my, uh, my co-hosting stints this week, those are available on the WMAL website and also on Stitcher. Uh, so go and, and check those out. It's a different show than, than what we've done. But uh, Jerry, as you're, as you're reading through that, you are in this, fact, this is sorry, insane. I mean, look again, I know right, we're listen, Go ahead. Tell, I mean, tell us about we're, it. We'll talk about it for a minute. No, look, look, look uh, just recently, right. Uh, Peter Navarro was, uh, was arrested uh, put in shackles, leg, uh, leg arm, uh, leg irons, uh, was put in solitary confinement uh, for contempt of Congress. And again, because he refused to give testimony. And more to the, the point, he was he could have been arrested at home 
They yeah, waited for him. He to lives go to one mile. He lives one. By trip. the way, he lives one mile from F- F- FBI headquarters. Yeah, they and they they could have arrested him in his home, but instead they waited for him to go to the airport and arrested him there and put him in 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 handcuffs and shackles. And, and right. then refu- refused him counsel, refused yeah. him uh, food and water, locked him in solitary confinement. But here's the thing. It, it was for um, it was for contempt of Congress. Yes. Uh, number one, in my memory, I can't remember anyone ever being arrested for contempt of contempt of Congress. I, I don't know. It's it's possible, but on the other hand, you know, but but certainly not done. In All right. That's number one. Number two, and again, I don't understand why our side isn't um, isn't offering up facts. The January sixth committee uh, is illegitimate. Yes. Because the the manner in which it was formed uh, breaks House rules. Yes. So in a very serious way, this committee doesn't have any jurisdiction, doesn't have subpoena power. Well, and so I, there it doesn't. Yes. And that's and that gets into why why it was it would be improper to, to charge him with contempt of Congress. I mean, the reality is, right, that, that this is this gets into the concept of this being a show trial. Jerry, I mean, do you have more details about what happened in Michigan? No, but I but again, if 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 if, if what this administration Look, I'll end it here, Andrew. I know we have yeah. to go. I have to go too. Um, but the bottom line is this: they lied to us about the Russia collusion. They lied, and when I say lied, I'm talking about the, the the Department of Justice. I'm talking about the FBI. I'm talking about the Obama administration. I'm talking about members of Congress and the media lied to us that that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to yeah. steal the 2016 election. They yeah. lied to us about that. They uh, they the campaign, the Hillary Hillary campaign understood that this was propaganda this was this was uh th- these were lies and still planted these stories and still let it go forward and on on top of that uh we now know of the abuses of of this January 6th committee how prisoners are being treated how we've politicized this this is this is insane yes and now we're at we're at arresting uh, uh gubernatorial candidates now, and, and mind you remember this the January 6th committee has been meeting and having hearings for over, for a year. Yeah. And they so they arrest him today? That's my point. Same thing with the Proud Boys. Yes, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. On the day that they're going to do this show trial. Well, Jerry, it underscores what you say every week, which is... Find the truth, plant your feet, and stand firm. I hope that still matters. Yeah, I'm, I'm me too. And, and, and as you know, the things that I always say, which is uh, have a great week, everybody. Have fun. Please try to have fun. Oh, actually, before I before I say say the other thing, congratulations to my daughter Abigail, who graduates from high school uh, tomorrow. So oh, that's, that's good news. That's good uh, news. But as I said, have a great week, everybody. Have fun and stay safe. <laughs>